0: Welcome to the LCJ Q&A podcast. I'm Lights Camera Jackson. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening. Brand new animated movie premiering this Friday, April 16th on Netflix, Arlo the Alligator Boy. And joining me, returning to the LCJ Q&A, director Ryan Crego. Ryan, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. You were on episode 47 of the podcast in July of 2016 to talk about Home Adventures with Tip and O, which was such a big hit. Cool. Yeah, and now we're 180 episodes into the LCJ Q&A, and you've got a great new feature film I've had the chance to screen, and it is so fun. Congratulations. Thank
1: you. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to be at this, uh, at this point in, in the process where it's finally coming out. It is, it is, it's yeah. Slightly surreal, but I'm glad you enjoyed the movie.
0: Oh, yes, and I think families absolutely will. It is a 2D adventure, comedy, musical extravaganza, and is it true that you've had this idea for this movie and these characters for about a decade?
1: It's true, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. I developed the movie uh, when I was a different version of myself. <laughs> it feels like before being a dad, before being married, uh, you know, all these things, and, and um, was finally able to sort of realize the vision, and with uh, big kudos to Netflix for uh, seeing the potential and and jumping on board and, and allowing me to make it, and um, yeah, and here we are. It's, it's pretty wild. It was over 10 years. I kind of went back recently just to look at, like, when did I first start putting this together? and it's been over ten years, and I think you know my own personal growth has allowed me to sort of put the vision together in a more <laughs> uh, not just more comprehensive but just more entertaining and and more exciting way than I ever could have when I first came up with the idea so it's mm. sort of like a great lesson and perseverance and and personal growth and kind of not giving up on something that you think is a good idea so um, i'm I couldn't be more happy it's like extremely emotional at times to, to kind of think about the journey and then realize that here it is here we here we go
0: yeah what a big culmination moment we're in now with the film coming out and and and, so at what point when we talked with home adventures with tip and in 2016 were you thinking gosh with the relationship i have now with netflix you know maybe this is more of a possibility and and at what point did it really think uh, this is really going to happen
1: so um around the end of home was when i started to sort of Go back, and uh, I wanted to develop something, and I wanted to do something original. Mm. Um, Everything I'd worked on to that point had been mostly big—you know, a lot of DreamWorks stuff, some Nickelodeon, some work with Sony and Real Effects, and um, bits and pieces here and there. Um, But almost everything I had done was like pretty big franchise stuff, which was a great place to learn for someone like me, being a young artist. I I came into the Shrek world and Puss in boots, and just like so many fantastic storytellers and, and board artists, and comedy people and just been producers. It was like a, such an amazing group to sort of fall in with. But I really wanted to do something that, that was wholly original. And it was really my wife who was championing this idea because it wasn't that I had given up on it, but just when you kind of put something out there in the world and it doesn't end up the way you see it and, and you you kind of, I don't want to say rejected, but slightly. <laughs> Um, you take someone someone kind of breathing confidence into it to, to get you to, to, to reopen that uh, potentially have that wound again and it was really my wife who did that for me um, and was like you need to go for it and so I started redeveloping it and I just kind of fell in love with the idea again and started started working on it and before you knew it I, I found a home with Netflix they were so cool about sort of going on board with a 2D animated feature that was a musical and modern musical and all this stuff they were just like yes 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 but so we just kind of launched into it uh, very quickly
0: nice props to your wife for for all of that and and making this happen that yeah you you mentioned earlier that this has been a journey for you and speaking of journey that's what arlo the alligator boy goes through he's he leaves the swamp to look for his dad in the big apple and you make new york city so vibrant and so elegant why was that so important to you
1: I love New York. I love the city. I'm I'm actually from the Bay Area. And it's so funny because I, I realized while I was doing this, I'm like, I've never done, like, San Francisco is the place that has, like, absolutely has my heart. And it's like, I, I'm afraid to touch that city, <laughs> I think, just because I love New York. I love everything from from grit to polish of that city. It's just such a, it's, like, fascinating to me how much exists in such a small area. It's a city you really, like, truly look up to, it feels aspirational, and I think for um, a character like Arlo, who has never seen the world before, to be thrown into a place like this, it just felt like a really a really neat place for him to end up. And, and I think also because his journey unfolds in a way where he starts in the swamp where it's literally him and one other person he's lived with for the first 16 years of his life. And then it starts to unfold into a small town, and then he starts to meet more people. And then he eventually gets to this place where you've got this big city where, New York is so eclectic that in a way he kind of washes into it. And then it's like it's really a story about your identity. And so in, in a way it's like it adds an interesting twist to the story where he's, he's kind of like washed into this place that's full of people. And now it's not he doesn't like necessarily stick out like a sore thumb, but he has to kind of really then define himself in this place. And it just felt like a, the right place for him to, to go. So I kind of mapped out the journey early on from uh, the Louisiana Bayou and what that would look like, and taking the train, and how you would get there, and, it, and I had planned to do the whole thing <laughs> before this darn pandemic, but maybe one day I will. I'll, I'll go relive that journey. It'll be fun.
0: I live about two and a half hours north of New York City, so before the pandemic, went, went down there very often to uh, movies and screenings and shows, and you're right about it being an aspirational city, and you're right about the whole grit to polish. I, I can attest to... Th- that big New York city uh, but it's it's presented so well there's a portion of the movie uh, later on that's all about the Met gala and I was as it was uh, becoming a story element I was wondering all right how is how is this all gonna look and there's so much fashion and uh, the interior design of it
1: definitely wouldn't have wouldn't have been even close without our art director Israel Sanchez and his team he came on early with me really helped design and define the look of the world. And he brought on some artists that were just so in tune with, and, and I think some that were um, had lived in New York, and had lived and breathed that that lifestyle to some degree. Probably not the Met Gala, but <laughs> had been you know tangentially around all of that. And so I, I was always surprised uh, with how well they captured those those elements. Actually, in in sort of the later phase of the movie as we were really plussing and pushing ourselves to get it right and, and to go deeper. That's when a lot of the costuming came out and when we really just like we had some, some incidentals in there that just felt like eh, they weren't far enough like we really wanted it to be exciting we really wanted you to kind of like turn your head and go like or freeze frame and go what is that character wearing? Mm. So they really you know they, they put a lot into it and that was kind of like a second wave or like a last wave almost like almost like in retakes where we were really then plussing and plussing and plussing um so I'm glad that that came together. um I think it was a really fun place to have the climax of the of the film just because it is such a wild scene and and our characters who are also unique in their own light feel like they kind of again blend into that to that world a little bit.
0: The details really come across, and at the center of this movie, you have this very special relationship between Arlo and birdie that is sweet and very delicate. Was this the most difficult element for you to make sure you got right because of the delicacy of it?
1: I don't know if it was the most difficult, and the reason I say that is because I think it was mo- maybe the most important. Hmm. Um, the reason I say that is because I, along the, the course of making the movie, really fell in love with both of these characters and, and the actors who play them, uh, Michael J. Woodard and Mary Lambert, who just sort of embodied the the, the characters and really took on... Once we, once we were recording them and, and had them cast, I really understood the characters and their dynamic. We recorded them together for about a week where we did um, records and music early on. And during that week, I just totally fell in love with them as people. We became like a family. We were just so like, I, and I really truly kind of like understood who they were and what they brought to the, to the characters. And then it started to lock into place in a way that it never had before. So it was felt very natural and organic in, in that way. But for sure, the movie for me, like as a, as a filmmaker, as, as a storyteller, the movie is all about that relationship, and everything else kind of falls in. A lot of, if you read the log line, it's like a character going to find this long lost father, but if you watch the movie, you see that it's kind of about something else, and that's, hopefully a successful movie doesn't give everything away in the long line, right? It's true, <laughs> true. But I think that that relationship is is to me what is the most interesting and compelling piece and, and driver of the film.
0: It is very strong. Ryan Crago, oh, director of Arlo the Alligator Boy, is joining me right now in the LCJ Q&A and you have quite a cast besides Michael and Mary. You have uh, Tony Hale, Jennifer Coolidge, Annie Potts, Jonathan Van Ness, great voice talent that you have. How was it working with all of them and what surprised you about working with all of them?
1: All of them are amazing. I think we were so lucky. You know, you never know until you until you get to work with somebody what their interest level is going to be, how invested they're going to be, and we were so lucky in that I think everyone who stepped foot in the booth for this project read the script, loved the script, saw the value, saw the potential, and just brought everything to the table. I think um, Annie Potts was one of the first records that we had done, and I was... A little intimidated, <laughs> you know. I'm just, you know, I'm just like, wow, Annie, Annie pots and she'd just come off doing Toy Story. Yeah. I just felt like, oh, my God, I hope she likes this, and I hope, hope she likes working with me. And she just was so sweet and so loving and just brought so enthusiastic for the property. And I just, from that point on, I think we just kind of kept pushing through some of the really cool surprises, working with Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm. um, a group who just, like, you know, kind of defined my youth and to, to be standing across the room from someone like that and for for him to say, like, he, he told me at one point, you know, this movie has such a sweet soul to it, and he it was, it was so clear that he was invested in it, and I was like, wow, I did something that really like <laughs> That's really neat. Like, that's whatever happens from this point on. Like, that I, I feel like I nailed it. So that was cool, and uh, everyone always wants to know Jonathan Van Ness. He is actually that that guy. Like, he is <laughs> it's, it's such such an entertaining and bright and brilliant person and he gives it everything like, and a lot of the, um, the actors Jennifer Coolidge included Tony Hale and Brett Gelman a lot of ad-libbing in the movie and a lot of just like turning them loose letting them discover their characters and allowing them to perform and make decisions and um, you know finding some of the funnier bits in the editing room after the records so, um, so that was really cool too but yeah I, I, I love the cast I think every choice I'm so happy with. There's not one one character who I can see being cast, played by anyone else at this point. It's such a solid group.
0: It is, yeah. You got the flea seal of approval. That's nice. That's very good. Yeah. And you co-wrote many of the songs in the movie as well. So how was it for you trying to figure out the the flowing feel of it? And I could tell it was a very nice, natural flow, but getting that flow from story and song to song to story to song and character development and balancing all of that.
1: That was a new discovery for me and that was probably the most fun part of of this process for me and where I I grew the most um, as a storyteller was was really discovering music along the way. I grew up playing music. I grew up from a young age. My grandpa I think taught me my first guitar chords when I was like 12 and and so I've just always been around music and playing music in bands and traveling, playing music and all that stuff and I kind of put it, put it aside to really focus on animation. Getting into the movie, I brought on my partner, uh, songwriting partner and, and composer of the movie, Alex Geringas. And I was writing the script with another friend, Clay Senechal, and, and I was working on the music with Alex. And my intention was for Alex to write all of the songs. As we got into the process, it just became so clear, you know, like, because I was so in touch with the story and the characters and the motivation, you know, Alex was the one who was like, "You, you have to be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to be here when when we're writing. You have to be. You know, I want you to write these songs with me. I don't want to write. The, you know, I don't want you to just walk out of the room with all of the inspiration." And so it just kind of, as after we wrote like a couple songs, and we we, it was really we, we wrote um, more, 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 and Beyond These Walls, uh, two of the early songs, and I think when we when we wrote Beyond These Walls together, it was like a okay. <laughs> this is, this is gonna work. This is our relationship. Like, we're, we're writing these songs now. So, yeah, we wrote every single song. We, a lot of my schedule was, was just breaking off, um, days to, you know, between writing to go work on music and then bounce back to writing and kind of, I had to create that process as I was going along. I didn't, I've never done it before. I mean, to the point where I was, like, at one point Googling, like, how do you write a musical? <laughs> don't tell anyone or tell everyone, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, you just kind of, like, you just, go, okay, this is now what I'm doing. How do I make this work? And who's done it well? And what influences can I borrow? And how can I how can I process this and, and still keep the story on track? And really fun how the song started to tell the story and then take, kind of take away from the script and then go back and, like, change the script because this song is so powerful. It's doing such a, such a great job of saying what I want it to say. Mm. The story doesn't need to say that anymore. You know what I mean?
0: The back so and forth, yeah. The song can speak.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, um that was, a, that was awesome, and I' love Alex for, for not not only indulging me but just really like valuing me and, and valuing that partnership and it was it was a special thing that um, I hope to you know continue not only that relationship, but I just hope that I've still got other songs in me that are as good as these, because <laughs> I, I still think you know three years in I'm, I'm, I still am very, very happy with. How they
0: all turned out. Good, good, yeah. The songs are very nice. I'm feeling all that out. And and you've been in an interesting position in your career, Ryan. You've you've gone from working on some of those DreamWorks animated movies, like you said, including Kung Fu Panda 2 and Puss in Boots, as a story and storyboard artist. And both of those films are celebrating their 10th anniversaries this year. You then went to television with the uh, home TV series, and now you're directing a feature animated movie. Were there things that surprised you about directing a feature as opposed to working in a different way on a? feature? and working and shepherding a television series?
1: I don't know if, I've, if I have fully processed it. I feel like I've, I've worked so hard to get to the point where someone would actually say yes. <laughs> yes, you can direct a feature, you know? Like, that's always been a dream. So I felt like I just had worked so hard to get to that point that once I got my, you know, claws into it, I just was re- relentless and, and sort of my work ethic and just um, taking advantage of that situation. And so um, I don't know, like, I, I just, I, I guess without, you know, I don't want to sound cocky or whatever, I just, I, I think I felt ready for it. You know, mm. I think I felt ready for the challenge. And so then it was just a matter of, like, how do I how do I make this happen? And I think that um, all of the TV training was really great because we didn't have, like, the same resources that you would have if you were making Shrek 4 or whatever. Mm. Um, we were definitely on a much, you know, shorter time frame, and smaller budget, and and but but working in TV, you get used to that. You get used to sort of those limitations, and so I really felt like um, I was able to take a lot of my TV training, pair that with with you know making features that I, a lot of the stuff I had learned when I was younger, and then also bring in a lot of storyboard artists and a lot of our um, a lot of our team were TV board artists who had never worked on a feature before, which was great because they just got in the trenches and just started <laughs> just started going um and i don't, and i think the schedules in TV are tend to be a little more like push 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 so um so we were able to really get a lot of the movie up in the, in the first couple months and then sit back and then analyze and then and talk about it and educate each other and discover the story together so um it was a really cool process i i loved it i loved the team that we yeah. had and and i felt at this point in my career it just felt like a great thing to be able to sort of merge these two worlds kind of merge the the two ideas of um you know what a tv pipeline and what a feature pipeline is and netflix is blending uh all of that right now there's so many limited series and and things like this it feels like kind of maybe a lot more of this in the future for for animation.
0: Yeah, and th- what's great is that this is not the only time that we're going to see these characters because we've got this I Heart Arlo TV series coming soon to Netflix. 20 episodes have been ordered. I'm not going to spoil how we go exactly into the stories of that because you got to watch the movie to find that out. But how has production been on the TV series bringing these characters back?
1: It's been awesome. We actually... I kind of built the schedule to roll as many artists into the series as possible. I don't know what the percentage is, but from like, at least from the story crew and from the design crew, I would say about 75% of the team uh, had worked on the movie that ended up going on to the series. Nice. Um, so that was cool. So it was pretty organic to, to kind of get into. It was, a, it was obviously a different, it's a different type of um, presentation, and I think the series is. Um, where I always kind of say, like, the movie is this like adventure, this big journey of discovery, and now the series is more in like a sitcom world. It's like, okay, now we, now that we found each other, how do we live? <laughs> in a, you know, what's our day to day? It's a really fun way. Like, it, it's, so, it's so cool to kind of build out characters because um, you know, in a movie, especially when there's an ensemble cast, you don't always get to. Explore all the characters the way that you want to, mm. and then to have the opportunity right after that to go, "What's the Marcellus story look like? What is, what is, uh, what can Brett Gelman do that we haven't done yet?" <laughs> and so we made him sing opera. Just <laughs> a little hint, but uh, it's still musical and it's a, uh, it's very fun and um, it's a really, it's a really cool continuation of the movie. And it has a um, definitely, it's a different flavor, but it's still the same lovable characters. So I think it'll be. It'll be a, a, a neat thing for, for the people who fall in love with these characters to get to then spend more time with them.
0: Good, good. Yeah, we're all looking forward to iHeart Arlo. In the meantime, this Friday, April 16th, on Netflix is the feature film, Arlo the Alligator Boy, from director Ryan Crego. Ryan, congrats on the movie. You're
1: having me. Oh,
0: you're welcome. I think this is going to be a big hit for families on Netflix this spring. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh- You're welcome. Uh, And, and, you know, again, I appreciate you taking the time and helping us get this out there.
0: Absolutely. I'm Lights Camera Jackson. For more, go to lights-camera-jackson.com. Follow me on Twitter at LCJReviews and Instagram at LightsCamJackson. this has been the LCJ Q&A Podcast.